You know, they say timing is everything, and I've just experienced an element of timing from YouTube. I put out about a week ago a notice that Honduras was beginning to bifurcate towards revolution. I described some of the details, and I'm going to get back into that a little bit later with more detail today. YouTube instantly demonetized the video. It's non-controversial. It was a news item. However, the news had not yet hit the mainstream media in the United States. Oh, it had hit in places in Africa and in South America, Central America, and even in Europe, but not in our tightly controlled media. And once it hit PBS NewsHour, and that's where the story broke, all of a sudden the video was remonetized. Of course, it was too late. People had moved on. It was on the back page. You get how it goes. Uh, it's a sensitive situation. And I think YouTube's reaction to it, and I think Facebook has been doing similar type of purges with Honduras. But this is serious, and it's now out there. So there's no sense in trying to, shall we say, obfuscate the truth. And we're going to talk about the latest on Honduras here on The Common Sense Show. My name is Dave Hodges. I'm the host. And we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. We are brought to you by, well, brought to you by one of my favorite sponsors, preparewithdave.com. In the midst of turmoil, there are many groups in America, prepper groups, even religious groups like the LDS Church, that tell their people, look, be on the safe side. Make sure you have enough storable food. Six months is the minimum. The recommended is two years. If you haven't started or you're nowhere near that threshold, we can help you at preparewithdave.com because we can get you ready in two and four week packages, which is a whole lot easier on the budget. But the way world events are progressing, I would not advise waiting much longer. So go to preparewithdave.com. You'll discover the 25-year shelf life, the restaurant quality of the food, rave reviews about the diversity of the food. Get started today, preparewithdave.com. Well, Honduras... It is a mess. On one side, you have MS-13. On the other side, you have the 18th Street Gangs. Sounds like New York City or L.A., doesn't it? And the battles are brutal. They have what's called war taxes. As the country bifurcates into control, and believe me, this is an organized crime control of the country. This is worse on a per capita basis than what we saw with Pablo Escobar and Colombia. So you have three players. You have two rival gangs and the government. And the government is split two among the rival gangs, and there's very few people in the government that are not corrupted. It's so much like the Pablo Escobar situation, it's not even funny. But the murder rate in Honduras is the highest in the world. Now, the police claim that they have brought the rate down. And I have to say, au contraire, mon frere. PBS NewsHour did a story on this, and this is really what's allowed social media to let people like me finally be heard. And in the story, they said there used to be multiple sources for data regarding murder rates. The police control it all. So ask yourself a question. Where do the police look the best when the murder rate stays the same, goes up or goes down? Well, of course, if it goes down. And that's they're in control of the data, and that's what we're seeing. What do they do in Honduras? As reported earlier, rival gangs are going to homes and they're no longer just imposing the war tax. And you're going, what's a war tax? A war tax means we're fighting for your liberty. People want to kill you. 
And if you don't pay to support us, we are going to kill you and your family. And they don't care if someone's sick, in the hospital, out of work, what the circumstances are. You pay the war tax, and if you don't pay it, you end up six feet under. Hence, the highest murder rate in the world. But it gets worse. As I reported earlier, these gangs will go to a home, and you may have a 14-year-old boy that's home that day. He's going off machine gun in hand with the group. He's been drafted. Oh, if you resist, well, you go underground, all the way underground, six feet under. The next day, another gang comes, a rival gang, and they're there, and they find your 12-year-old son. He's going off with them. It kind of reminds you of the Civil War, brother against brother. This is happening in great frequency in Honduras. My original source for this was, hey, uh, Dave, want to watch this? DEA. DEA, because they were looking at drug interdiction, and they kept coming across this story as they would interview people about drug corridor routes. Well, sure enough, within two weeks, I started finding semblances of these stories around the planet, except inside the United States with our, again, tightly controlled media. So what ends up happening next? You have the bifurcation, and now you have the training. They're sending these kids off to El Salvador. And there is one camp in Honduras where they're doing paramilitary training. Now, you have heard me say over and over, a Red Dawn invasion one day will be coming to the United States. It won't be the primary invasion. A couple of things will have to take place first. Great diversion, great weakening of the country, because an invasion from Central America could not be successful unless this country was already compromised. But it could be the death blow. So it's not going to be the first occurrence. It's going to be a last occurrence. But there's more. I thought that these people were being trained for this. I believe they are. But they're also being trained to go back to their country and create such havoc, death and destruction, that people are leaving in droves. Now, let's cycle forward to the PBS NewsHour report from the first week in June, incidentally not released until three days ago. So what do we find there? They went around and they interviewed people. Now, you got to be careful. PBS, three letters. CIA, three letters. We know they rig stories. We've had the story reports on this from the inside. People like Amber Lyons going back as far as seven years ago. We know the Washington Post is in bed with the CIA with a $600 million deal that was well publicized. So you have to take some of these individual anecdotal accounts with a grain of salt. But I do believe when you're looking at the fact that I know and can confirm that kids are being abducted to fight on opposite sides war taxes are being collected or people are being executed, you know that there probably is some truth in this. The PBS cameraman showed caravans. Now, the caravans I saw consisted of, and I stopped and I freeze-frame counted, I counted 75 in one and I counted about 110 in another. I don't call that a massive caravan, and it could be something that's... uh, Shall we say they're over-exaggerating, overstating the problem? But we did see in one neighborhood five families leaving. 
Now, the DEA agent told me he expected as bad as it's going to get, we're going to see entire villages leave or be killed. I reported that in the last and first report on Honduras. So where does this leave us? Well, where this leaves us is very, very simple. We are creating through, well, let me back up. Let me interject this part of the story first. The CIA is heavily involved in this. You find drugs, you find CIA. Sorry, that's how it is. Men and women of the CIA who are good people carrying out your mission, defense of your country. God bless you. But you know, you have to know how corrupt and how deep state run the CIA is at the upper levels and how certain divisions are nothing more than organized crime. And some divisions are organized patriotism. If you work in the CIA and have for any time, you know what I'm saying is true. I know it makes CIA people mad when I say it, but I pin them down and they can't deny the facts I give them. So you've got the CIA there fermenting trouble, involved in the drug trafficking. They're involved in the paramilitary training bases, a la Kathy Rubio eyewitness account. We already know this is all true. So what ends up happening here? With entire villages shutting down, do you not see the exodus of first hundreds and then thousands and then a couple of million from the region? Because if you think this terrorism is going to respect national boundaries, think again. It is not going to. So as we see the destabilization of Honduras and spreading into nearby countries in and along and even in the interior past the border, you're going to see waves of immigrants coming here. The thinking on the part of the DEA agent who contacted me, who, by the way, I've had a relationship with now for four and a half years, was very, very clear. He said, this is being done intentionally to create migrant ways. He said, these people will have legitimate asylum claims. And I want you to hear me clearly. Trump is deporting people, or so he says he's going to. Now, there's been a delay in that, and I'm going to cover that reason for the delay in another story. But Trump says that he is deporting people. This is a clear response to what's coming. If DEA has this, clearly the president has it. If I have it, I was probably weeks behind the president in this information. I have no illusion about being the first receiver of much information. That's a very rare occurrence in our business. But I will say this very clearly. I am absolutely 100% convinced and certain and sure and no doubt about it. Waves are coming and there is going to be massive bloodshed. Now, asylum seekers today at the border, 90% of them are fake. They're using fake families. The DNA tests are showing this. Are there asylum seekers who are legitimate? Some, not very many. Most of them get, they're caught, they're released, they flee, they flee into the interior of the country, never to be heard from again. This is who Trump is going after in part. But these people coming out of Honduras will have legitimate asylum claims, leave or be killed. There was a story on the PBS documentary that I thought was really interesting. They interviewed a 34-year-old lady who had actually come to the United States illegally eight years before, started a successful business, and was good. And she accumulated enough money, she thought she could go back to her home country, where she really wanted to live, and continue the business there, but the war crimes were just too much against her, the war crime tax, I should say. And now she's covertly getting out. Her husband got sick, they got behind, and they had to flee for their lives and stay in hiding. Now they're on their way. Do I believe the story? Yes. I think the PBS story is a lot of propaganda. 
the propaganda BS network is often what people will call PBS because they are very politically oriented. They are taking infusion of cash from groups like the CIA. That's been proven before. But I do think in this instance, this story has validity to it. And these people, when they get to our border, they'll say, I need asylum. They're not lying. It's just that what they don't know and what you don't know and what the courts aren't going to be able to contend with is this, is that the asylum is contrived. Their situation being exacerbated by our own CIA, by international forces who want the UN Migration Pact all over the world, and they are fermenting this. And I'm telling you right now, these people will have legitimate asylum claims and be able to stay. And I honestly have to say, from a humanitarian standpoint, once they get here into these situations, we should be granting them asylum. It's death if they go back. I get this. I understand it as a human being. But I'm going to also interject this. They don't have to be here unless we had nefarious forces exacerbating bad situations to make them worse that forced them to leave. This is contrived. It's contrived, like I talked about with people from the Congo showing up in Texas with hundreds of dollars in their pocket. Tell me how that happens if it's not contrived. So this is what we're looking at right now with Honduras. It's a situation designed to further destabilize the United States through mass immigration that we can't handle from just a sheer numerical standpoint. Spare me the xenophobic, spare me the racist comments. That's not what this is about. This is about a contrived situation to break down the welfare and economic systems of this country. That's what this is about. I feel sorry for the people coming here. Should we give them protection? Yes. But I think they need to be contained and detained in very humanitarian conditions. Families I do not think need to be separated, nor I don't think they should be at all, until we can decide what we're going to do. And I don't know why the United States has to be the primary bearer of this burden, although I know certainly we can make a case that's gone on in Europe. But there should be other countries willing to step forward. You know, Justin Trudeau, the liberal he is, if he wants to save the world, let him step up. Canada, take on more immigrants. And I know you Canadians are starting to write me letters on that point. Okay, deal with your own house because he's destroying your country as well. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about this situation here? Because, see, when Honduras is done, see, then it'll be Panama. And then it'll be Nicaragua, which will really be easy to reignite. And then, of course, Venezuela is a powder keg of immigration waiting to happen. What are you going to do then? I said at one point, and I quoted a DHS official, and he said, we hear there could be 160 million eventually coming. And I printed that, and people went nuts. You're crazy, Dave. What an over-exaggeration. You're embellishing the truth. Based on the scenario I just laid out, would you please explain to me how that constitutes an embellishment when we consider a period of time into the future, maybe one, two years? How many third world immigrants can you take on until you go broke? How many can you take on until you're the next third world country? That's ultimately what it comes down to. 
If your neighborhood's in a depression and you're the only one with food, how many can you feed? These are tough questions. Socially, I tend to be a little more liberal because I put the human being before the country. But in this situation, how long can we afford to do that? I would recommend you all read something called the Chesterton Prophecies. And it's the story about um, English immigration and how they conquer, people assimilate with them, and then the assimilators come back and they overwhelm the country in great numbers in the form of immigration, and the country's economy collapses. It was written in 1904, and it applies more today than it did then. There are no easy solutions, are there? There's no right or wrong here. I don't know what the answer is. Do you? Please, leave me a message. Tell me what you think. As the smoke clears, perhaps we'll come back with some pretty clear principles we can start to pound our government with. But right now, it's a murky mess. Trump's response to deport is a clear response to try to balance the scales. He sees what I'm telling you. It's very clear to me. We'll see you back here again next time. Thank you so much for joining us.